thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, great to see everybody. Yeah, let's give it up for everybody that did serve day yesterday. So awesome, so awesome. It's great to see you. Thanks so much. Uh, worship team, that was phenomenal. Thank you for leading us. So great. Uh, hey, if you've got your Bibles, let's go Colossians chapter one today. Uh, we're excited about what God's doing here, and um, <clears throat> it's going to be a great month with Camp Radiant as we really focus in on our kids, and I'm still getting so many stories about what God did at, at Bold Conference. I'm getting uh, stories about teenagers that are actually putting into practice the things that God called them to, and uh, so I love that, to continue to hear uh, fruit. It's really fun. And honestly, in the old days, you didn't get to hear that much, uh, but now with social media, you can get it pretty quickly and see some of the stories about what God's doing. So anyway, it's awesome. Uh, great to see all of you. We're in this series uh, in Colossians where we're just taking about eight weeks to go through Colossians here in the summertime, and um, we'll go into 21 days of prayer here in the fall, and uh, I want to just take some time really as a church just to dive through this because there's so much content when you work right through a book um, that you might not necessarily create a series around. Uh, and today happens to be one of those days, everybody, because in Colossians chapter one, our next little segment is on suffering. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Come on now. So uh, got a little bit of suffering today. You're going to love it. Um, let's go Colossians chapter one. Great text, famous text. Verse 24 says this. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. So Paul's saying, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Who? For the church in Colossae. And he says, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So clearly we know that he's not in any way taking away from everything is finished with what Christ did on the cross. So he's not adding to it. It's all done uh, through the atonement on the cross. But what he's saying is, is that Christ suffered and now I'm suffering different than how Christ suffered, but I'm suffering like Christ suffered. I, I, I'm taking up some of the very sufferings of the way my Savior, my Lord, the preeminent Christ suffered. Now I'm suffering. I have become its servant. That's an amazing phrase. So he says, for the sake of his body, which is the church. What's, what's, what's the, the body of Christ? Well, it's the church, okay? And I've become, I've become its servant. I'm a, I'm a servant to the church. It's what I do. It's, it's who I am. And then he says the why. By the commission God gave me. How did he get that? Well, that was Acts chapter 9. You know the story when Jesus appears to him brighter than the sun. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And so he's got this commission by God, specific. You, I want you to go and build the church to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery, or another version, the secret that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Christ, what's the mystery? What's the secret? Christ in you. I mean, literally God. I mean, for uh, this, is, this is the mystery. This is God at work. God saving. God transforming. God working through you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Two more verses. 
He is the one we proclaim. This is what we do. This is a great, you can take this verse 29 and say, this is what we're about as a church. He is the one we proclaim. This is what we do on Sundays. We proclaim. This is what we do all week long uh, in our offices or, or in the hospitals or in the schools. We proclaim him. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's the work of the church. That's what we're working on. We're working on maturity. Maturity's hard. Maturity's not easy. Maturity is rough. Maturity requires transformation. We don't like maturity. Maturity means getting closer and closer to God and him rounding out the edges and transforming us, but that's what we're working toward. And to this end, I strenuously contend Woo! Suffering and striving and serving and strenuously contending. Welcome to church. With all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And that's the beauty at the end right there. That's the fun part. All these words about suffering and serving, at the very end we get that little, and it's actually Christ's work inside of me. It's actually the way that I'm able to serve, the way that I'm able to go through this suffering is Christ in me. I like the way the New King James put it. To this end, I also labor. So I want them, I'm going to proclaim, admonish. I want them to grow fully mature. And I labor for this. I work on this, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. 21st century church, we don't really like the word striving. I'm just reading it. I'm just saying it's, it's there. Like David didn't say that. Paul said that. David, we don't like sermons about striving. I don't think so. No, 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 no. I, I'm not. It, it, we're just going through Colossians, baby. I'm just saying. That's not my word. That's, that's, uh, that's Paul's word. Look at the way ESV says it. For this I toil. Oh, really didn't like striving. Now I toil struggling. You didn't like the last one? How about struggling? Oh, yeah. Struggling with all. But this is the fun one. His energy that he powerfully works within me. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord Jesus, to be your church. And we thank you that the same way that we read about you at work in the first century, you're at work in the 21st century. And the same way that you used a humble servant like Paul, we ask that you would use us. Father, we thank you for the privileges and the blessings and all the things that we have. But we ask that those things would not become a barrier, a wall that keep us from the fullness of us serving and laboring and being what you've called us to be. We ask that the church of Jesus Christ in the United States and around the world would continue to expand. We pray that people would come to know you all over the world. We pray that people would come to know you here in Kansas City. We ask, Lord, that our kids would walk with you, that our teenagers would walk with you. And God, we ask that we would walk with you. As Paul would want to fulfill his calling, I ask that each person online or in the room today would fulfill their calling. As he was made a minister, I pray that we would be ministers, every member a minister. I pray that we would fulfill what you've called us to. We love you and we honor you. And everybody said amen. amen. <laughs> we, uh, Right by our house, there's this little pond. Uh, we call it a lake, but it's a pond, but whatever. Uh, and and uh, there's a little dock. And my son, uh, Justice, likes to go fishing out there. And um, one time, he and Adeline were out there, and they dropped their uh, fishing hooks through the little crack in the, in the dock, and so they could no longer fish. Um, however, the worth of the hooks was low, 
So they just ceased to fish and came inside. Fishing day is over. But we had a staff party. The people came over to our house. David, who runs sound. Let's give it up for David Zhang, who runs sound every week. DJ in the house. Yeah. David Zhang went to throw. I don't know why. I mean, maybe Gen Z throws iPhones. But he threw his iPhone to Dawson. And the iPhone goes through the crack of the dock and goes into the water. Dark day. But instead of just letting it go like my kids do. Same, I mean, same dock. Different value. Hooks, let it go. I am not getting in that water for hooks. My kids were like, eh, day's over. Little value, little struggle. Little value, small worth, just let it go. I ain't suffering for that. I'm not getting in the water for that. I'm not going to spend my afternoon trying to find a shovel to, no, I'm just going to let the hooks go. We'll just tell, we'll just text dad, you know, we'll Amazon Prime, four new hooks, let's go. But when it came to the iPhone, woo! I mean, iPhone costs a lot of money. When you're in college, iPhone is like, woo, it's like a mortgage. I mean, you know, like. So we had a hero, Kyle, right here on the front row. What's up, Kyle? Can you believe? I told you this would be a sermon one day. Today's the day, brother man. I was so proud of you that day. Kyle, he goes into the water, gets under the dock. And starts looking for the eye. I mean, feeling. I mean, you don't know what. Yeah, I don't. Who knows what's in that water? But Kyle was willing to suffer for the iPhone. No child willing to suffer for the hook because the value is too low. Suffer for the iPhone, willing. Why? Because a thousand dollars is worth more than three dollars, and so we'll go. We'll go suffer a little bit for that iPhone. You're willing to suffer for the thing that you value. You're willing to sacrifice for the thing that you value. When there's something that means something to you, something that has a high value, you're willing to suffer for it because you esteem it. So I look at even when you when you when you look at a, 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 a mom and all the suffering that goes into childbearing, suffering, but they'll always on the back end say worth it because the love of the child is so high, worth it. And here, here Paul is talking about suffering. And it's this idea where he says, I rejoice in suffering. Hard to imagine finding some joy in suffering. How? How could that even be possible? How can you get to the place where you rejoice in suffering? And I think there's a few things here that we can look at where I want to just highlight in this text where I think he holds these convictions just deep enough inside of him that he's willing to suffer or serve or struggle or toil or labor for the church being established. The first thing that you see right here is he, he refers to Christ as the head of the church in verse 18, 118. Christ is the head of the church. And here, right here in this text, he says, for the sake of his body, which is the church. So he talks about the church as the body of Christ. Now, for us, just try to have a mental image and just let that refresh about the church being the body. Sometimes that metaphor is so overused and we do church so much that we just kind of, I mean, 
I, I, I've just had that be so low in my brain because I've, I've known that concept for so long. But you can't have the body without the head. They go together. And here's the idea where he's saying Christ is, he's the head of the church. And I was just thinking about Paul as he's identifying Jesus. Jesus identified with his church. And Paul had a first hand encounter with that. And so just to go back, because in this text, he talks about how he was commissioned by God. But let's just go for a moment and talk about that. Because if you can go back to that moment, that encounter, where Jesus calls Paul. And this is the moment he's giving them his why. He's saying, I was commissioned by God. And if you think about the moment where Jesus actually called him, and he looks and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? Well, in reality, you look at that and go, hold on a second. Jesus has already ascended. So, so here's Saul before he becomes Paul, and he's persecuting, create, causing the church to suffer. Yet, when there's this vision, this moment where Jesus appears to him brighter than the sun, he, Jesus doesn't say to him, hey, Saul, why do you persecute my friends? Why do you persecute my followers? It's stronger language from heaven. Hey, why do you persecute me? That's a strong identification with the church of Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ. It's Jesus saying, when you persecute my church, my body, persecuting me. And so if you're Saul and you have that commission, that moment where you're called, you certainly identified the weightiness of how much Jesus likes, enjoys, is connected to his church. I know for you and for me in the middle of 21st century, and with church is hard. Church is difficult because people are difficult. And doing life with people is difficult. And, and we have so much ability to communicate. And we have just unending information. So there's always the temptation to be mad, split, gossip, run. But I just want us to see the weightiness of how much Paul served labored for, toiled, revered the church because of he, he revered Christ and Christ identified with the church. Look at this, I want to keep going because then it, I, I see this commission that Paul gets as extremely uh, critical in his laboring for the rest of his life. This encounter that he had with Jesus, he's, he's referring to that. He's referring to that moment. He talks about it later in Acts 26, we get the story of it in Acts 9. But when you just read the epistles, I mean, this, is, this was, I had this encounter with Christ and I'm now doing my job. I'm doing my role. I'm doing what I'm called to do. I've been commissioned and he, he sticks with it. Now I rejoice in, in, in what I'm suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant. Woo! I have become its servant. Or another version, I was made a minister. I was, I was made a minister. Christ made me a minister. I was, by the commission of God. So 
God himself, I'm commissioned. This is what he gave me. So he gave me this commission to present to you the word of God in its fullness. I'm taking the fullness, the gospel. I want you to mature. I want you to get the full thing. So he's later going to say, I'm going to proclaim it, fully admonishing you. I want you to get it. I'm going to take this to you. But he's, he's connected to his calling. He's connected to his commission. He knows it. It's one of the things I love to say. It's the reason why we do the next steps. It's because one of the things when we say, no, God, find freedom, discover purpose, that discover purpose, that's one that we're really excited about around Radiant because when you can say, this is what I'm called to do, you start to be able to endure more hardship than if you just are unsure. Like, I just don't really know what I'm supposed to do. But if you can say it, that's the thing I like to say, when you can verbalize it. I remember... uh, I had a guy when I was 19, and I would go meet with him. He was a 25-year-old uh, young adult pastor, and I thought he was so old. But anyway, uh, it's weird. Um, but I, I remember uh, me, I would meet with him at a coffee shop when, when I was in college, and he was so big on life mission statement. And I was like, tell me why, you know, and I just remember working on it, but he was helping me be able to identify what God had called me to do. And I'm passionate about that for you. I'm passionate about you being able to be able to say it, for you to be able to say, because I think when you know, this is what I'm called to, Paul was able to do it. So Paul can go through all the suffering. Paul can go through difficulty and say, I even rejoice in it. And he's got, first off, Jesus really likes his church. Foundational. Jesus referred to, when I, when I saw, when I was out persecuting his people, people of the way, Jesus himself referred to them as, I mean, he's, they're, they're with them. I mean, they're, it's that, that whew, it's of the body. They're, they're, and, and it's just that close identification. And then he goes, but I've been commissioned. I think this empowers you to rejoice when you suffer, when you're fulfilling what God's called you to do. And Paul, that Second Corinthians, famous Second Corinthians 11 text, and I'm just gonna give it to you because I want you to hear it because this text is about suffering. And when Paul's talking to the church in Corinth, he gives them a list of his suffering. It's one that many of you know well, but I just want you to hear it afresh because it's really more suffering than most of us have ever gone through in our lives. It's really significantly different than what we consider suffering for Christ. I mean, I know that you have suffered to some degree, but it ain't like this, baby. I mean, just look at this. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted. That's a great word. I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. It's a lot of danger. Voluntary Yes to Jesus. I'll go do what you told me to do. My life possesses danger. Different than what we've got because I don't like danger. Neither do you. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. Hey, Nick, that's a great church in verse right there. 
I have gone without sleep. Amen. I, I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. I'm just reading that because sometimes it's easy for us to, to be so disconnected and have it just be theological words. But when you've actually gone through what Paul's gone through, he's saying, he gives the lists. He's saying, I have actually had a harder life. Challenging. Serving the church. But I think the beauty is in the middle of the suffering, in the middle of the serving, in the middle of the striving to build the church, the sacrificial, intentional laboring and toiling. He is rejoicing. He has joy. How? I, I think, one, I know I've been called. I, I know that. I know who Christ is. I know he cares about his body. And I think this idea of, of, of you, if, if my dream for you today is if you could get a, a degree of that, I've been commissioned. Like, I know that I've been commissioned. I think when that's fuzzy, like, A, I know Jesus, got it. B, now I know what he's called me to do. When, when you get that commission, like, I know what he's called me to do, it empowers you, it strengthens you to just stick with it. When you don't know, then, then you, 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 you move around, you're frustrated, with people kind of irritate you, or, and you can quit. But you could go through the hardship, go through the suffering, when you, when you have a greater degree of, this is what I've been commissioned, called to. And when I think about, um, when I think about what this would look like for us, like most of us don't have a theophany, that, that, that moment where Jesus appears to you brighter than the sun. I've never heard that. My guess is most of you haven't. Um, so I was thinking, many of us, though, could go back and talk about an encounter. That's what Paul had. Paul had an encounter. So that encounter with Jesus is oftentimes something that helps you where he says, I want you to do this. And that's a way, it's a moment where you can give your yes. I've been commissioned by God. And one of the great things that we do every time we do church together is we're creating an environment for people to have an encounter with God. So even, even, even when we get together and we do a prayer meeting, a serve day, a, a, a conference, a, whatever we can do, and we gather, there's the, the, the people of God gathering together and there's this creating this environment. So, so we do our part, God does his part. So Paul says at the end, I labor and I toil. He says, but God is the one that sustains me. And that's kind of what church is. We do our work. Okay, God, we'll set up some services and we'll set up some small groups and we'll set up next steps and we'll set up a dream team and we'll set up some conferences. We'll set up a serve day. We'll, we'll, we'll set it up. We'll, we'll strive. We'll set. But God, you come in and you touch the people. God, you be at work. But when you get that, when you have that moment where God grabs your heart, where God does something inside of you, then it's easier for you to go, I'm just doing what God's called me to do. I had a guy this week, uh, he's a youth pastor, say, tell me about church planting. And so I just started to tell him, and he goes, yeah. He said this, he goes, I would never do that. <laughs> I smiled. I go, why? He goes, way too hard. He goes, way too hard. He goes, I'm in a good flow. 
And I thought, I get that. But I looked back at him and he said, uh, he said, it's too hard. And I looked at him and I just smiled and I gave him kind of that cheesy grin and I go, I love it. Kind of had that snarl back like, you know, I just said, I love it. Why? Because I've been called. I love this. This is, I'm having the time of my life, right? And when you, when, when you get that, like, I've been called, there's a rejoicing no matter what. I, I love this. And I, I love, there, there are some people that I look at what they're doing and I go, how do you do that? They're called. My, my buddy who's in Nepal and I mean, raising little tiny kids in danger, 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 danger. You, you try to talk to him about, man, that's hard. And he's like, ah, I love it. I was uh, texting with him and he was telling me a story about a kid that was almost just killed by a, like a, a crazy, he said a crazy cow almost speared a kid. And I just thought, wow, that doesn't happen in Johnson County. You know, like, I just, but he's alive because he's, he's said yes to what God's called him to do. And I think for you, if you're looking at, okay, how, I want to be commissioned. I think you could lock in with, all right, one of the ways, one of the things we see, see in scripture is just an encounter. And you can go right through. This, one, this one's heavy in the Old Testament. Heavy stories of people who have an encounter. I don't think all of us, though, would say we had an encounter. I, I think there's other times where we just say, not an encounter, but more like, I'm willing. Just a, I'm a willing one. Just a yes. So think about Paul. He's kind of an encounter guy. But I was thinking about David. And when you look at David called by God, to me, it just looks like a, a lot of yeses, like a series of yeses. Like just when the, when the, when the, when the prophet comes along and says, anoint you. Oh, okay. Yes. Hey, can you take this bread and cheese to your brothers? Sure. I'm your servant to his father. I'll take the bread and cheese. Gets to the battle lines. Hey, there's a, we are under military struggle where it looks like we could be defeated by the Philistines. The way that they have said that we will be able to possibly win is if someone will go out and go up against that unstoppable soldier Will anyone go fight the guy who's guaranteed to beat you? And David says, how dare he defy the armies of the living God? And he says, I'm your servant. First Samuel 17, I'm your servant. I'll go. It's just a yes. I'll go. It's just another yes, another yes, another yes. Hey, will you go serve in the palace? The king needs you. Play the guitar, the harp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go. And you just read through the life of David. And I, I don't see that kind of theophany type moment. He didn't get that kind of burning bush like Moses got or Paul got. But here's what he got. He just got a lot of yeses. Just, I just see it. That's, 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 that's my step. That's my step to say yes to calling and commissioning. That's how I move forward. Sometimes some people get that encounter. That's what I love. That's one of the reasons I love teenagers because they'll just be like crying. I got an encounter. A lot of times with us, we don't have that strong, but we'll just say, there's an opportunity. I can meet that need. There's a giant. I'll go. T I, can, I, can, I, can, I can meet that need. God put an opportunity for me to say yes in my path. I'll, I'll just trust that this is God giving me the opportunity. This looks like Christ-like activity. I'll just give it my yes. 
I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just go there. I'll give that. Another one that I see that I think is big, it's one of the reasons why we do Camp Radiant, is because I think there are some people that they feel like they've been commissioned from birth. Like when they pray, they just have something that God's put inside of them that when they do that, they feel God's pleasure. When they do that, they know this is what God made me for. The phrase we like to say a lot is, I was made for this. When you do that, right? Like you can look at different, I can look at different people on our team. And when they do that, I go, they were made for this. And you ask them where they got that. And they just kind of go, I've always had it. I can't really, I don't really have an encounter that I can, I mean, God's been good in my prayer times, but I can't, I can't, I don't have a moment where I've never seen a burning bush or had, you know, a theophany. Like, and, and I don't necessarily have like, I just have always had it. This is the idea of Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Hmm. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. <laughs> wow. Before you were born, you had a destiny. Before you were born, I knew you. So, before you came out of the womb, God at work. That's awesome. I just think that's huge. And I think that there are a lot of us that you might not necessarily even be able to go, my yes to a certain thing, or even maybe not even a big encounter, but you can say, when I pray, I've always had this one thing inside of me. I've just, I've always known it. I've, I've just always felt it. And sometimes we think, man, I got, I got, I got distracted. I definitely went down that path, or I went down this path, or I said yes to this thing, or I, I, but every time I go back to that leadership, I go back to serving the poor. Like, I honestly, I'll, be, I'll, I'll tell you this. this I, I, I connected with a guy this week that just loves prayer. He just loves prayer. And just by being with him, I could feel my heart just coming alive inside of me. And people, people always ask me, when did you get a, a heart for prayer? And I go, I don't know. I just think I've kind of all... I, when, I, when I do that, I just enjoy. I feel close to God. I love it. So I, my frequent answer is, I don't know, junior high? Like, because just for me, it's like, it's just always, it's kind of always been, and you could go to Jeremiah and he goes, you've had this prophetic call since before you were born. I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. So some of you, maybe not big encounter, maybe not even some of these, just I'll, I'll say yes, yes, yes. And I kind of gradually discover it. Maybe some of you go, man, I've just always known. I'm, God's, God's got this call on me. And maybe you go, I've got this, I've got this business ability. God's given it to me. And, and I can use this in the workplace to be a gospel witness. I can be a person that is able to give generously. Of all, it's just always been on me. Or maybe you're a singer and you go, I don't know. I've just always found the place of worship. Or maybe you go, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I've just, I've always been, I, I, I'm a, I, I, you know, I, I work in Blue Valley schools and I love teaching kids. And, but, and there's this thing inside of me that I know that when I'm around a kid, I've got these moments where I can just speak comfort. And I see a kid as I do my gifting as a teacher and I see a kid just come to life. I heard a, a guy recently talk about how 
What changed his life was at a public school where a teacher looked at him and said, you have a call of God on your life. He was in a family where he had no idea what she was talking about. But when he talks, he talks about a teacher, and of course, in that context, it's not saying this is the Holy Spirit moving through me. It's just a teacher just looking at a, a kid, just speaking at public school. Don't know if it was legal or not. But he tells the story of how it changed his life. I'm just saying, some of you know, you go, you look at your spouse and you go, you know, when I do that, that thing, that's where, and I'm telling you, that could be your commissioned by God. I know that's the way God wired me. And I want to invite, I want to invite you just to fight for these, just to get to where you know them. Because there's a lot of enemies to your calling, right? So many enemies to calling. Busy pace is the huge enemy. I just got so many other fun things I can do. So many other fun things. But I want to invite you to narrow it. Push out some of the extras so that you can focus in. Because you'll find delight when you do the thing God made you to do. Paul could go do some other things. But rejoicing in suffering, even as I accomplish the calling to make known the mystery of the gospel, to go declare it. I'm going to proclaim it. I want to admonish people. I want them to walk in full maturity. I want them to walk in what God's got for their lives. I'm going to establish the church in new places. I think busy pace. Honestly, I think confusion on spiritual gifts. I don't feel like I really fell in love with spiritual gifts until I was in my late 20s, but now I'm in love with spiritual gifts. I felt like I, was, I just pictured like, I don't know. I just, I had so, I had weird ideas. I just didn't get it. I just pictured, I, I, I pictured like, like a, like God, like Santa giving gifts. I, it just took me a long time to really understand it. But now it's one of the bedrock things in our church where I'm like, man, if people can verbalize, these are the, these are some spiritual gifts that I got. And when I use those, I, I come alive and it's more enjoyable than another night on the town. It's just the way God wires us. You'll rejoice. You'll find joy. It's the source of joy. I get to do what God's called me to do. I get to use the gift that he gave me. I think another way, another kind of calling crusher, <laughs> I, I think a calling crusher is when we're just consumed with looking at other people's callings. What has God commissioned them to do? Because when I look at them, man, I wish I had that. I wish I could do that. And I think it's one of the easiest drainers. That'll, and, and this will be the last one. I think the last one is just when you're like a counterfeit calling. When you just kind of make up something. Like I, <laughs> I was a youth pastor for so long, I used to feel that kids would do this all the time. Where they, all of them wanted to be rich and famous. All of them. Like none of them ever said, I just feel called to serve in secret. That song, I'll serve anywhere. Yeah, that was like a youth group crusher. Because nobody wanted to be hidden. They all want to be famous. And I just remember so many times they'd be like, I am going to go into the world of Hollywood for Christ. I am going to be a billionaire for Christ. I, and it was over and over again. I, me, I just feel like I'm supposed to be best friends with Tim Tebow. And they all, it was over and over and over again. Humorous in that age, Yet, I think sometimes we'll, have, we'll kind of create our own blend of something like that. Like, just give me, let, let, let me get my blend. Let me mix it up. 
talked about syncretism a little bit last week, but let me just kind of, let me just kind of figure out kind of what I want to do. I want, I want God to still like me. And it's easy to just kind of make up our own. But if, here's what I want to invite you to go get with God. Get, her, get, get, get in intentional way where you're, I, I can say it. I know what God's called me to do. This is it. And listen, at Radiant, I'm not, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about you fulfilling what God's called you to do. If all of us get, actually, the idea here in serving, it's like Paul uses the word like an under rower. It's, it's, an, it's not a visible, it's the lowest of the low. I'm a servant. When he says, I'm a servant, he's not the highest servant in the house. He's, talking, he's actually using the idea of the, the lowest servant in the house. So when all of us are fighting to be the lowest servant, just doing our gifts, just doing what God's called us to do, we'll see God do a, an amazing thing in our house. All right, last one is this. Um, says this to this. So it, he is the one we proclaim, astonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the fun part. It's Christ that's doing the work inside of me. So Christ is my source. So we just did last week, we did that whole hymn about he is preeminent. He is above all. He is supreme. And then Paul comes back around. He goes, it's actually, I give my yes, but he gives me supernatural strength. So it's actually miraculous work of God inside of me. That's what gives me the power to suffer, strain, serve, labor, toil. Pick your hard word that's in this text. But that's what empowers me. That's where I get, I get that strength from God. It's actually God at work. God inside of me. And so we'll all talk about burnout. Always. But when we get supernatural strength, it's just the ability to say, I'm going to keep going. It's not my strength. In many ways, this language here in the NIV, it's, it's the language of Christ's energy. But Paul's saying, here's my human effort. He does a lot, essentially to establish credibility with the church in Colossae, where he's saying, I, I'm because there's a lot of eyes in there. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. He's just establishing this credibility. This is what I've done, but this is what God does. God's the one that gives the strength. It's this marriage. So it is all grace and it is all God because he's the one that called me in the first place. So he commissioned me, he called me. It starts with God. Then I give my yes. I strain, I toil, I labor, I serve the church. And it ends in the same place where it started. But it's God's power in me. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's actually the strength in the middle. He gives me strength to do what he gifted me, called me. Paul's word, commissioned me to do. So I just want to encourage us again, just commit. God, how do you want me to serve your church? Capital C. Just your church. I want to love your church like you love your church, the body of Christ. I want to love it. I don't want to just live ticked off at people and bugged in isolation. I just remind you, number one, commit to serve Christ's church. You and God. I'm not talking about a church covenant or anything. I'm talking about you and God. What does it look like? God, I, want, I commit to serve your church. 
And I think this is the fun one. Clarify what Christ has called for you to do. Just clarify it. Narrow in on it. None of us can do everything, but all of us can do something, what he's called us to do. So figure that out where you can say it, you can speak it. And then the last one I would just encourage you is just call on God for strength. I love the way um, that we have people that spend time with God differently in our church. I love the way some of you do prayer journals, one your Bible. I have a friend that sends emails every day of the scriptures. I think it's awesome. I don't really care the method that you choose, but get along with God and ask for his strength. Because the only way you'll fulfill what God's called you to do, your calling, is God at work through you. So, okay, you love your church, so do I. Okay, how have you wired me? How have you gifted and called me? And number three, oh God, it's your energy. My effort, I put some effort in. These are big words, strenuously contend. I struggle, I labor, I toil. There's some effort there, but it's Christ's energy. At the end of the day, it's God. It's that. So I just want to invite you to that. Just ask God. And so it's actually not me, it's Paul. So we're just reading through Colossians. Just uh, close our eyes and let's give this to God. Father, we love you today. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to be your church in Kansas City in 21. I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you, Lord, for the callings on their lives. And I pray there'd be no calling crushers that take them out early. I ask that those who feel like they're not currently walking in the commission or the calling that you've got on their life or the purpose I ask, Lord Jesus, that they would take steps. Get with you. Hear your voice. Discover their spiritual gifts. And serve. We just want to look at even Paul's example and just say, here we are again. Do it in us. Maybe today you go, I, I want to be a servant of Christ. I want to give my life to Christ. And I'm far from Jesus, but I want to be close. The good news of the gospel is this. No matter how messed up or broken or in sin or angry or bitter or fearful or lustful or filled with greed or rage, no matter what is going on in your life, Jesus died in your place for your sin, rose from the dead, and because of the cross, you can have eternal life in Christ Jesus. You can have new life. So your old life is gone and you find new life in Christ. And today, if you want to make that decision, we want to invite you. It's the best decision that you could ever make. And I want to invite you just to pray this prayer in your seat, on your own, right there, you and God, and just say, Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Save me. I want to spend eternity with you. I don't want to be God of my life. I want you to be God of my life. I am not preeminent. You are. You be the Lord of my life. I give you everything. In Jesus' name, amen.